Good Friday morning. Welcome to Let's Open the Bible. Russ here with Gavin. Good morning. Good morning. Man, this has been a tough week for me personally, uh, as we have, uh, as we've been treading the ground of stewardship, a, a topic that uh, I have failed miserably, but God has redeemed me from. Uh, I'm excited about that, but still just uh, mourn the many bad stewardship decisions that I've made in my life. Uh, so, uh, listener, if you want to find uh, Matthew chapter, if you're not driving, uh, find Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verse 25. And uh, Gavin, would you mind leading us in prayer this morning? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, um, when we recognize you are on your throne, it removes anxiety. When we recognize how you love us, it removes any fear that we have that we won't have what we need. Uh, and God, so I, I just pray today as we study this text, it will be an assurance to us of your goodness, of your provisions. Uh, you provide well for your children uh, and will take away all anxiety so that we can uh, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with much thanksgiving, we can make our request known to you. And we can trust that if we ask in accordance with your will, you hear us and that we will have those requests, God. Give us that assurance. Give us that peace. Give us that comfort. Give us you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, Gavin, what I want to talk a little bit about today is this uh, fear or scarcity mindset that we have that sometimes prevents us from being good stewards, uh, prevents us from doing the things uh, that we know we want to do or maybe should do, but there, there may be just that thing that's holding us back. And sometimes that can be fear uh, or scarcity. And there is a, a legitimate lack of margin that some people deal with that they're not able to do certain things. So I'm not I'm not discounting that, uh, but that's not who I'm really uh, concerned about. And so the Bible says there, uh, well, uh, this is where um, Matthew gets his red ink pen out and records the words of, of the Lord. It says there, therefore, uh, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And he goes on and he talks about the birds of the air. They're neither, they neither sow nor reap they, uh, or, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubic to his stature? You know, I, um, Josh, my oldest son, was a pretty good football player. And when he and Ben, his brother, were younger and, and were wanting to play college football, we sat down and we looked at what measurements and speed and agility and all of the drills, what they needed to probably play at a high level. And I don't know what I was thinking, but I actually wrote down goals for their height as if somehow they could make themselves grow to a certain height to, to be a, a candidate. Uh, that's kind of ignorant on my part, but this scarcity or, or fear mindset, um, when, when we perceive material scarcity, we tend to hold on to what we have. Yeah. I, I, let, let's start with, with kind of what we went over earlier in the week. And, uh, I think maybe some of that fear can start with wanting more than we need. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, Man, and, and good. not, and not so, so, um, we want to move past that to where some people are really anxious that they won't have what they need. But let's start by saying that some of us want more than we need, uh, or, you know, or, or not trusting that God gives us, 
uh, exactly what we need and mo- uh, many times what we want, but always for our good. So we, it starts with a trust in God and uh, an understanding that he is the provider that gives us exactly what we need, often what we want, but always for our good. But let's move to that group that really is anxious um, because they they don't feel they'll have what they need. Yeah. And, and here again, a moment of transparency. This happened to me. Uh, so we're, you know, we're living in a time that, uh, I mean, we're not, we can't be ignorant of what's going on in the world around us and particularly in our, in our uh, country where, uh, we're paying more for less. You know, inflation is, is biting and many people lived on fixed or limited income. So there is a real reality to scarcity and I am not in any way trying to diminish that. Um, and, uh, so recently, um, you know, because I had made a couple of commitments to a couple of things, not talking about debt really necessarily, but you know, gas was, you know, four or $5 a gallon or whatever it is. And, uh, I had someone call me and ask me if I could help with gas and they're a frequent caller and, and I do what I can to help. Um, but you know, I, I just, you know, I, I, I said out of fear, out of scarcity in that moment, yeah, I'm unable to help, and, and I may not be able to help it's the someone rest of you the year. felt you should help. Because I'll tell you right now that there are some that we need to love enough to say we can't help, right? And others that say we listen, we love enough to help where it hurts. But I mean, I know that's not really pertinent to the story. But but, but no, is, God it, convicted me though. He, you know, I felt a conviction later uh, as I was spending some time in the Word and praying, uh, and I actually called this person back uh, about a week later and and repented and just said, you know, I I don't. Because what I was doing was I was fear. It was uh, scarcity, you know, fear of scarcity, and and I I could help that person. What it was is I wasn't going to be where I wanted to be. Yeah, well, that's where Second Corinthians eight comes into play for me, where they gave to the point of from extreme poverty. Right. They gave more than they could. The Macedonians. So, so, yeah. So so the the scary thing for me is that somebody out there would think, listen, Russ just gave me a perfect illustration of if he just gives, God God will make sure that he gets back. Well, yes. But it depends on what you mean by getting back. Right. It does not say you're going to get, you know, if you, you write that check for $100, you're going to get $100 in the mail. That is not what the Bible says. I mean, this is extreme poverty. The right. point is, I mean, it's it, it's not just, oh, hey, you know, we're broke. It's we're really, really broke. And uh, and, and above, their knee, above their means, they gave, it, it seems like Paul had to warn them, you're giving more than you can. So, uh, or at least uh, tell them that they were, this is above their means. Um, so... One, I don't want to make this an investment plan for more money. It certainly is an investment plan where you're laying up your treasures in heaven. That's right. But it's it's not an investment plan like if I give a hundred dollars, God will give me two. That's the, the that is the prosperity gospel. Yeah, that's, let that's me get as much money out of you as thinking. I can. Plan. Um, and then th- then let me say something else. God will supply your needs, um, but he. And he often uses the church. So in Mark 10, 28, Peter began to say to them, see, we have left everything and followed you. We've given it all up and we followed you. But Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. That's the one that got me like, right. You're going to get it in this time. Uh, houses and brothers and sisters 
and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Um, how do you have a hundred mothers in this life? Yeah, I don't know. The church. That's like there's good... no one that's left that stuff that shouldn't find a community of support. And and again, you know, the, the early church was giving to one another and supporting one another. Can you imagine if you just looked at, at the members of your church and just said, you will always have a place to stay. Well, I'm worried about stuff. You will always, as much as I am able and God willing, I'm not going to boast in tomorrow, but you will always have a place to stay. Because you have a church family. You have a hundred mothers here that want to make you food. You have a hundred brothers and sisters that have a place for you to sleep tonight. You have a church family that cares for you. Listen, the the idea today that is going around is we can serve God and not be a part of a church. There is no place for that type of thinking in Scripture. That's absolutely right. And not only because you need the church, but the church needs you. So both of those together. But then the church is is the conduit of God's many gifts at times. Right. Right? I think that's a neglected thing. So we tend to claim some of the promises of the God without looking at the means by which those promises are are delivered yeah. and the church being one of them. And maybe that's a conviction to us as, as pastors and, and to the church. It should also be a, a call to those that are believers in Christ to come and to be a part of that covenantal community of faith and support. Yeah. And part of the issue with this fear of scarcity and it displays a lack of faith, but it also causes stress. It actually affects uh, our well-being, our sense of well-being. Uh, and, I mean, we have to be wise. You know, God's Word tells us to be uh, tender as doves, wise as yeah. serpents. Yeah. You know, so there, there are some things that we, we have to be wise about. But um, when we are so afraid... Because there's so many people that they have an abundance, but they fear scarcity. Do not worry for the morrow, for the morrow will worry for itself. Sufficient unto the day is the trouble thereof. Yeah, you're constantly worried about tomorrow, what tomorrow may bring. And we've got to, you know, we've it's got an to imagined scarcity. Right. Right. Well, but it may be a, a, a real scarcity because someone's going to, you know, someone listening may say, well, okay, I, I took your advice. I started to be generous. I started to, to you know, to be involved in ministry and to serve and to, and to give with my time, talent, and treasure. And all of a sudden I ran out of money and now look what you did. And I'd say, okay, now, now this is a real need. And, and again, the Macedonians gave from extreme poverty above their means. It seems like they gave into worse poverty. So you say, okay, now what do I do? Well, now it's... The, the church bears each other's burdens. Yeah, and uh, and 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 God will supply your your needs. Maybe not in the way that you want. I just heard a phenomenal uh, account of someone that has been blessed financially when they're at they're they're in pretty dire straits, really dire straits, and they have been blessed financially by just generosity of other uh, brothers uh, brothers in Christ. Uh, both of the the stories that he told about these the, the God using other people have been brothers in Christ supporting him. It was really good. One of the sad aspects of this problem, this fear and scarcity mindset, they don't have the ability to be thankful. They they're not they're they're because they're caught up in anxiety and they're and they're afraid of of whatever it is. They're clutching and clinging to what they have. And they're finding their security there instead of in Christ. 
And let not the wise man boast in his riches. Yeah, and therefore they're, they're, they're not able to appreciate God's bountiful blessings. They're not able to be thankful. Well, yeah, and I was just thinking, but, but you know, boast that, that we know God, right? Um, may, maybe, that, maybe there's anxiety because comfort is, is an idol that we've created, or maybe there's anxiety because God is not what we want most of all. Hey, don't be pointing out my comfort idol. Yeah, yeah I've got it too. I've got it too. You know, I heard, I, heard uh, I forget her name now. Uh, I was at a Southern Baptist convention, and, and she talked about um, how she was lesbian, and when she was an adolescent, she was struggling with that, with that area. And instead of people in the church that were opening their doors to her to kind of mold and shape and disciple her, she found that in the lesbian community that they were always willing to, to let her come in and sit down and talk. And, and she was discipled then by lesbians. And what do you know? She became a lesbian. And since then, God has redeemed her. Uh, Rosario Butterfield. Name yeah, just came Rosario to me. Butterfield. Re- redeemed her out of that. And what she said, the comment she made that was so stark was, we're more concerned about cat hair on the couch that prevents us from opening the doors to our home um, than we are about... What's going on in those in young people's lives that that we can influence and and address? And it's because we're 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 so wrapped up in in comfort. We want to be comfort. Yeah, I think I think she, her book is the Gospel Comes with a House Key. It's something like that. It's it's uh and and uh, just about how you know she's done little things in her life like move the grill from the back porch to the front front yard so that when her neighbors see that she's cooking, it's wide it's open season. Oh wow! To come over to the Butterfields now. She and her husband um, have really been instrumental in ministering. The other thing though is that you were talking about that community. Uh, two two components. The Huffington Post wrote an article about uh, the a new. Uh, perspective of addiction. And uh, in, in the article, it talks about how in the Vietnam War, there was really heavy drug use over in Vietnam. And when when they came back, there was this expectation that everybody was going to be, you know, kind of strung out and the, and the drug problem was going to, you know, go off the charts. And, and I don't know, you know, I've not done a, a great deal of study, but in this article, it said that many people came back and they were not addicted because they got back into community and, and a supportive community uh, that they, they went through the rat study and how a supportive community and rats, I don't know how you determine that, but was uh, was a effective in pulling rats back from the heroin water that otherwise would kill them when they were isolated in the community, they would leave it alone. And in communities, these people were getting off of drugs that had been using drugs in Vietnam and coming back into community. The army, people are a part of this, this uh, community in the army that, that people are willing to re-enlist and put themselves in harm's way to be a part of that community. Gang members will tell you that the one thing that they, the, uh, one of the things that they got while they were in gangs was community. Why is it though that the church seems right now to be struggling to create community? And maybe it is because we're trying to create it rather than letting it be a gospel-shaped community. We're trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I and and I would say I don't, I don't know how comfortable we are opening our houses up. I, I think it's a comfort issue. You you mentioned comfort earlier. My wife will tell you that that comfort is way too big, big of a priority for me. Uh, I, I I would argue that for many, uh, it's the their comfort level is what's preventing them from discipling people, opening their homes, having people come in, just doing life and sharing life together. 
but why can't you do that? So I agree that we need to be hospitable to strangers, and by doing so, we may entertain an angels unaware. I do see in Titus 1 and in other places that being hospitable is a is a, a prerequisite for eldership, that we need to be hospitable, um, whatever that may mean. And I, and I do think that we are to be a part of that community and, and very involved in that community and that we are to be a family of faith. And yet, if you're not comfortable opening your home, which I think we should all move toward, but if you're not, why can't we meet at, at in the church building? We're, it's not the church, but the church building. Why can't the church gather in the church building for those times of, of fellowship and family and fun? And maybe you guys have, have, you know, really, when you open up the door for just an odd Thursday night of, of you know, pizza or, or hanging out or, you know, um, maybe it, the church is packed. But, but I think community is something that most churches struggle with now. Oh, yeah. No question. Well, um, one of the things that I wanted to mention was is that when we suffer from anxiety regarding uh, money, it, it is a display of, of a lack of trust. I think I said that before. Yeah. But a guy by the name of uh, Gordon McDonald, he, he said, you know, he made the point that pagans worried because they had no sense of a God who cared for them. We know better. Believers know better. We know that, that, that God, uh, he keeps his eye on the sparrow. You know, he, he's, he's very much aware, uh, and that should alleviate a lot of these anxieties. Now, again, I, I don't want to take away from those people that, that really have no margin. There really is scarcity in their life. I'm really talking to the people that can. They can be generous. They can be good stewards. But because of fear or perceived uh, scarcity, they're not able to. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I would also say that maybe m- many of us, I need to go through the Job process hmm. that uh, he was blameless, he, 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 but he had wrong thinking. And so when he's losing stuff, it, his world is falling apart. And, and even he cries out, you know, though you slay me to God, though you slay me, yet I will trust in you. Yet I, I want to plead my case before you. I need that audience with you. And then he gets the audience with God and God says, "Where hey, hey, gird up your loins like a man. Put on your big boy pants and approach the throne. Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without wisdom? Like, who do you think you are, Job? And he never really gives him an answer, but he says, like, listen, I am God. And, and th- I, I shaped and created the world in wisdom uh, perfectly for, for my glory and your good. And then, and then at the end of Job, Job goes, I, I get it. Yeah. I didn't understand you. Yep. And you're good. So, so again, if you get sidetracked and you serve anything and, and desire anything above the greatest gift of all, the greatest pleasure you will ever experience in your life, you kind of miss the point. So, so again, you talked about comfort. If comfort's your God, if, if, you know, even somebody says, listen, um, I just need to know that tomorrow is secure. And God says, I, that's, that's not the goal. Yeah, that's right. The goal is me. Seek ye first. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't have to know about tomorrow because I know the one who does. Yeah. yeah. And I, well, but even saying that, like, yes, I agree. I love it. That was really a, a pithy saying, you know, I mean, it was, it was clever and good, but so, so what happens if tomorrow's awful? You go, well, I don't need to know about tomorrow because I know the one who does and it'll be good. Well, in one sense, absolutely. For, it'll for be good. my good. But for your good. But, but you get God. Yeah. God, you're what I want. A- again, it's, it's more than, the, uh, more than this. We rejoice in our suffering. And I don't want to make us, we've, we've gone over this and over this and over this and over this. 
suffering is not the goal. God is the goal. God is what we want. The relationship with him, the deep, intimate relationship with him. But uh, so, so let me just say this, but never think, I hope that I'm never elevating suffering as the goal. But um, more than this, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and that hope will not put us to shame as God's love has been poured into our hearts. You know, Amen. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's what we want. And because of that, we can, we can acknowledge and even rejoice in our suffering. Amen. Amen. Well, this is a good place to end the week. Gavin, I've enjoyed this uh, conversation this week. I hope this has been uh, productive for or helpful for the listener. It has been for me. It's always good to kind of flesh these things out. Uh, listener, uh, please, 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 please be in the house of the Lord this weekend yes. where you can lift up your praises, your prayers, and you can just be fed as you feast on the Word of God by a pastor who rightly divides the Word. He's not ashamed of the gospel, and he's willing to preach the whole council. Uh, please do that and open your Word. And and if you are that person in the margin and, and you are worried about where your next meal will come from, there are churches, I'm sure, in your area uh, – um, um, I hope and pray there are churches in your area that will help you bear that burden and may be able to offer you food, uh, shelter, clothing, uh, some to meet those needs. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, we look forward to seeing you back on Monday, the week of Thanksgiving. Until then, keep opening the word and give God all the glory and honor. Amen. Be blessed. Amen.